Hey guys, it's Cole. Thanks for all the messages, texts, comments, funny jokes about the end of the podcast this week. I'll just I'll just leave it at this. It was either the greatest cliffhanger of all time or some kind of tech glitch and user error on our part. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't the end of the podcast. And so we've included the rest of it here. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, hope this lives up to the expectation. Here's how old the earth is. That's a good point, Ben. But, you know, Ben, I've just noticed something. Uh, in this discussion, two out of the three people have kind of gone on the record here, and I'd like to hear from the third. So, Cole, what's what's your view on this? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would agree mostly with what's been said. Like I said, I, the thing to me is, from a theological standpoint, if the earth looks old, I don't think we can settle for any trickery on God's part. So I'm very dissatisfied with the young earth argument that God created the world to look old because I don't think that's consistent at all with his character. Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? Um, now, if there's other arguments that he didn't create it to look old even though it was young, he created it to look like it looks. I mean, because to go back to Ben's point, this is this is an age-old argument. He also created the earth to look like you don't rise from the dead, Yeah, <laughs> but you do. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't attribute that to trickery. Yeah. I would attribute that to the reality of death yeah. as opposed to feigning death uh, for resurrection. So, so I'm uncomfortable with ways that God seems like a trickster on the young earth side. I, I agree um, with the importance of staving off any hint of dishonesty from God. I yes. I tend to mitigate that, um, if I may use my coffee cup analogy, uh, if, I end you, if I hand you an insulated coffee cup and print it on the side, it says, caution, contents are hot. But you say, well, I felt the cup, and it didn't feel hot, and so I swallowed the contents immediately and burned myself. You deceived me. It's not really deception <laughs> if I told you in advance that that's what I did. So for me, right. for me, if, yeah. if, you have Genesis, if you've never read Genesis, maybe you can claim deceit. But if you've read Genesis, it kind of came with a label. Uh, it, it's not as if he didn't hint as to what he might have done. That doesn't settle the issue, but uh, for me, that, that yeah. helped me get through the deceit yeah, point. point of it. Right. I, anything we can do to get rid of the deceit, I'm yeah. I'm for. Part of me, and this is going to sound this is going to sound a little bit anti scientific. Part of me thinks that if you have an account where the universe is created from scratch, created from nothing, the days of creation are not in the logical order that we would right. uh, prescribe them to be, no matter what the young Earth creationists say. You can't have flowers and plant life, and then a couple days later you have a source of light for them <laughs> and make an argument that that somehow works along the processes that we currently understand for how plants grow. I'm also inclined to think that time and energy and all of that are working differently in the way that those first moments, days, whatever of creation are happening. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't bother me at all to say that the universe operated by different rules at its inception that it operates from now. That that, like I said, that may sound anti-scientific, but that that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, in which case, I feel like you can make 
as many arguments for an old earth as you want. You can weigh the science. You can look at it. And at the end of the day, I'm 100% completely content being in a young earth position. Mm -hmm. I think if you just read the Bible... Uh, which I don't, I, I don't think is what we have to do is is blind ourselves to everything else. But if you just read the Bible, I think you'd come away thinking the earth was young. I think if you look around, you would come away with the opinion that science is an approximation. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think if you think philosophically about the creation of the universe from scratch with all the stuff that goes on in the days of creation, you would think that maybe that was a different set of cir- circumstances. And at the end of that, I would arrive at a pretty comfortable conclusion. I think it's fine to read the Bible and think that the earth is young. Yeah. So I'd rather not have to take a position on that. But if somebody put a gun to my head and said, how old is the earth? I would say, for the sake of what I think is a plain reading of Genesis, I will side with the young earth people. Mm-hmm. But old earth doesn't bug me. So that's where I would that's where I would be. I'm really comfortable with that. My preference would be though to quickly snatch the gun out of his head, point it at him and said, "Who's asking the questions now?" Yeah. That would that be would be your yeah. approach. Well, I've got a question for you guys since, you know, you've now put me on the spot with these questions. Uh, in in my theological camp uh, we don't have as strong a doctrine of let's say, depravity, as more Reformed folks might have. Um, And so consequently, Paul's doctrine of Adam isn't as big a deal for us as maybe other passages. Uh, I'm more bothered by, say, Matthew 19, where Jesus says they're male and female at the beginning. Like that, I worry about that from an old earth point of view. But the idea of Mm -hmm. kind of like the origination of sin from Adam in Romans wouldn't bug me quite as much because I'm not as committed to the kind of Augustinian doctrines of depravity and whatnot. For you folks, and I'm guessing here that you folks might be more committed to that than I am, or at least no folks that are, um, how important is a historical Adam to the theology of Romans? Because that, to me, if you were trying to say this is a gospel issue, which I don't think it is, um, the closest you could get would be something out of Paul's doctrine of Adam. Uh, either of you care to speak to that and what, how much we should care about that particular point? That is a good point. You raise a couple of great issues. One is the uh, special creation of Adam and Eve, or were there a real Adam and Eve as opposed to oh, a couple of hominids who somewhere yeah. along the uh, Darwinian evolutionary chain uh, woke up or you know something happened to them or... Uh, ate their Wheaties and saw the world in a different way. Or a metaphorical consciousness of a metaphorical yeah. takes right. place over time. Yeah, kind of a, a Jungian approach to it is a racial memory, if you will, or a sure. uh, racial beginning. Absolutely. I, uh, I do think that the older theory leads us to compromise in other ways if we aren't careful. And that's why I'm so adamant about if you don't believe that because you're trying to make science happy. Science can take care of itself, and it will change. Uh, I think I've seen changes in the evolutionary understanding of DNA in science in my lifetime. I remember a, uh, I believe it was Time magazine, had a cover on it with a picture of a chimpanzee named Lucy. 
This is the mother of the human race. But what they were saying is, it appears that genetics would tell us that there is a single pair of uh, parents to the human race. I don't believe that's current scientific thinking. No, no. So, but my point is, is that those things will change. And I think if you're chasing science and you're willing to adapt the Bible to it, you're going to go astray. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that's one of the ways people go astray, Ben, is to say, well, if I'm going to take the old earth, then I also have to take evolution. And if I take evolution, it has to be Darwinian. Mm-hmm. It must be random mutation and natural selection. And therefore, there's no room in that for Adam and Eve. And so basically, you're following science down the down the road, and next thing you know, you're a long way from the Bible. Yeah. yeah. I think about kind of my own evolution on this topic. I, I probably, if I had been anything, maybe college years, uh, I would have been an old earth creationist until I was in a class with a militant Darwinian evolutionist. And that made me think about this really seriously for the first time. Uh, but but I, I remember distinctly sitting with one of my mentors, Ryan Smith, in college, reading through Genesis together. And you get to the point where Cain leaves and marries, has a child. They start building cities. The obvious question is, who did, who did he marry? Yeah. Um, is this incest of some kind is are there other people and the obvious answer to me at that point was well there were other people outside the garden adam and eve just happened to be these two unique people that god created in the garden and i'll never forget ryan just pointing to the text and saying but where do you see that being true in the text there's no evidence of that in the text. Mm-hmm. There is evidence that he married somebody, mm-hmm. but there's no evidence that that God created Adam and Eve among a big group of people. In fact, the if you read Genesis, it's very difficult to escape that God didn't create Adam and Eve uniquely and that they are presented as the father and mother of all humanity. So however long it took, we don't have the dates for how long it was before they had Cain and Abel, how old Cain was. We know that things were different in the beginning of Genesis. They're living to 950 years old. There's a lot of different stuff going on. Um, They're able to encapsulate big swaths of what's going on in in a very few amount of words. He said, if you read this, you would think differently just based on the text. Mm-hmm. And it made me change my mind on that. So I think it is important both in the reading of Genesis and in the reading of Paul that Adam and Eve are real, unique people. Mm. That the fall actually did happen with those people that we figuratively and, and in our participation are in our father, Adam. Um, I think that that is an essential exegetical issue, but I also think it's an essential theological issue. I would not call that a gospel issue. Uh, I do think that the doctrine of original sin is an important issue, and I think this is an important issue under that heading. Agreed. But I don't think that this portion of of original sin is is a gospel issue. I think enacted sin, universal enacted sin, that we all have sinned, is a gospel issue. Yes. 
arguing about how we got there, I think there's a right answer to that. I'm willing to argue about that. I right. think I, I, I think that there's a right or wrong answer to it. It's not a gray area. But I don't think it's a gospel issue. If we agree that we have all sinned and that we were not only born into sin, however we want to construe that, and also participated in sin, that to me takes care of the gospel issue. But I would think that original sin and Adam and Eve in Paul's argument about original sin is pretty close. In in Moeller's triage, they are yeah. they've set up camp right on the <laughs> area next to the bullseye. Yeah. And and I think rightfully so in the idea of, of original sin. I mean, you're right. In terms of what that means for me, it's sort of like if I can get rid of Adam I can do away with one life sentence. The problem is I'm serving 99 consecutive life sentences. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to move on to my next yeah. one. In other words, we can argue about it all day long, but as it, when it comes down to a gospel presentation, I am a sinner. Yeah. I do think, however, it is true. Mm-hmm. Original sin, there is a fall, there is an Adam, there is an Eve. I don't have to have agreement on that to present the gospel. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that it is true. And I think it is more important than we give it credit for, the idea. Because I think it's important because of your anthropology. Yeah. I think if you have an Adam and Eve, there's no way you can understand as humanity being, oh, inherently good. We're all born good and somehow economics or ideology corrupts us. And I think we go astray when we start to believe that. The only way to believe that is that, no, there is no fall that we're all inherently good and we get corrupted. I don't know why history hasn't beaten that silly idea out of our head, but it doesn't seem to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the last century seems to have done pretty serious work towards the depravity uh, point of view. Uh, I I definitely come from a camp that's not really comfortable with the hereditary word in that doctrine, and and so we're Mm -hmm. not as committed to uh, connecting that to Adam as maybe Augustine would be, but at the end of the day, as you, if you don't have a like cosmic cataclysmic problem of sin at work in the human heart, then you do have a problem because the gospel doesn't make sense otherwise. Human history doesn't make sense otherwise. Uh, it's clearly there. Uh, I was just curious, um, kind of how the historical Adam plays into that. If that's a hill that you're required to die on, based on hereditary language, uh, and I think you make a good good description of it it's it would be pretty near the line um and mm-hmm. and some of what i've read on this issue when i when i see someone say um as i've read before atonement stands or falls based on the age of the earth what i usually hmm. find is they're connecting that to the historical adam question in romans mm-hmm. otherwise right. there's no reason to make that connection that i can think of yeah yeah and I don't think that I don't think that the old earth precludes the special creation of Adam. I think it's just a lot easier yeah. because you have more options available. But no, I would not die on that hill, but I would die on one really close to it. Just one <laughs> yeah. one hill over. One hill over. Uh, yeah. is, is the hill that I would die yeah. on. Yeah. That's a good answer. Uh, well, guys, great discussion on this. And for everybody listening, we love to get your questions, interact with them, send emails back and forth, even do a podcast on them. So uh, anytime you have a question, send it to us. We'd love to discuss it. We'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. 
If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.